Welcome to another episode of Chester Pridecast, all things Pride and beyond. This week we're talking TV and movie representation for the LGBT community. So sit back, relax, grab your remote and have a listen. Before we begin, we'd just like to say the following content may contain strong language and adult material that may not be suitable for all audiences, so your discretion is advised. Any views or advice expressed on this podcast are the views of Chester Pridecast and do not necessarily represent the views and the opinions of Chester Pride. Hi folks, welcome back to another episode. How are we all today? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm good. Yeah, doing good. And who have we got today with us? I'm Dylan. I'm Dylan, like it's the first time you're on the, uh, in, yes. on the episode. It's been, it's been a I am weeks, Dylan. to be fair, because I've, I've, I've missed one and then I, I had a poorly eye. You did. I had an infected sty. I mean, we don't need your eye for podcasts, but um, I get it. Yeah, Whatever. I mean, you need me to be able to see when I'm getting well, yeah. here without crashing and then Very you true. will not have me ever again. So, <laughs> But yeah, I'm doing better. How are you, Dan? Yeah, doing good. Excited to be here. It's been a long time coming, I suppose, but... Yeah, I'm excited. This is Dan, my partner, the one I always throw under the bus. On hello, hello, hello. Yes, I catch that every single time. Thank you very much. It's like whenever he listens to the episode, he's like, as if you just said that about me on the podcast. I've gotten clocked on my notes app. I bring them up every time. He's now got his own chance <laughs> to let loose. His redemption episode. <laughs> Cracks knuckles in anticipation. <laughs> um, so this week we are, as I said in the introduction, talking about LGBT representation in the media um tv shows movies that is um but first how's your week been it's been busy uh working a lot um obviously been struggling to be able to see so i just had to like crack on with one eye um, i was gonna say were you in work when I you was, had it i was working yeah i still had to go to work um because it wasn't really affecting my physical like well-being it yeah. was just really sore um, really painful and I couldn't couldn't see so I that for a laugh. I just had to crack on I had to say to the managers to keep me away from any grill and any hot sauce which <laughs> yeah. was nice I, oh, I could you it. imagine hot sauce with an eye infection even the lemon and like get it out was too strong <laughs> the lemon and yeah, was, it was too, too strong so <laughs> I yeah uh, I stayed away for the for the week and they were really good with me to be fair they 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 let me do what I needed to do and it's given oh, yeah. me the chance to Get Give, better. Get better, yeah. So I'm, I'm feeling better. I've yeah. got a if, busy week next week. If you don't pick a time for your body to heal, your body will pick a time for you. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. What about you, Wes? Yeah, I've been busy. Um, well, we're, we're nearing the end of the, the season, actually. So I've just been planning the last the next couple of episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got, what, two left? And then I believe so. I'll give you all a break for Christmas. Mm. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> But yeah, I think we're. I think we mentioned that we'll be doing a Christmas special. I don't know how that's going to look just yet, but yeah, we'll, we'll work see. We'll work it out. We always do. Mm. But yeah, as it's getting cold and nights are drawing in, watching things on the big screen and at home, yeah, we basically we basically binge so much now. <laughs> now that it's like it's the joys of winter, isn't it? When well, it gets it. dark, you close the curtains, you put the radiator on. Cuddle well, under a blanket. Well, I'm, I'm debating that one. <laughs> oh, yeah, good point. Cost of living. We are in a cosy lives after all. But, you know, five blankets. Five blankets, yeah. <laughs> Get the Maybe the duvet as well. Yeah. Get the dog. Biological hot water bottle. Literally. <laughs> Poor dog. 
But yeah, I will start with the um, just a bit of history on our representation in in the media, certainly in the last what century. Mm. Um, so during the era of the sixties and seventies, this can be seen in um, this can be seen in the fact of fictional gay cinematic characters were often presented as dangerous and predatory. Mm. Um, but examples of the films um, from this era include The Boys in the Band in the nineteen seventy. Um, Vanishing Point and Midnight Express. Um, but the one I do want to kind of highlight is The Gay Deceivers in 1969. Classic. Uh, it is. It is. A, I personally find it's a really good film. <laughs> Dylan's looking at me just like, yeah. uh, what? Blank expression. I've got a clue what he's talking <laughs> about, but I'm very willing to learn. Not well, many people know the film, but a lot of people know a meme that kind of sprung from... Well, I wouldn't call it a meme. It was more... It's just a clip from it that kind yeah. of went viral, didn't it? Well, it's... um Yeah, 1960, a film focusing on, on two straight men who attempted to evade the draft by pretending to be gay men. According to gay film historian Vito Russo, I think that's how you say it, his book, The Celluloid Closet, co-star Michael Greer, um, who played the flamboyant gay character Malcolm, and who was gay himself, um, tried to work with the screenwriters and directors to minimise the negative and the character caricaturism as Malcolm in a positive light. So I think that's very evident in the in the actual film itself. Um, well, me and Dan have seen it, yeah. but yeah, basically it's it's a it's I would say it's a very like fun kind of film. Yeah, it's, it's a it's romp, isn't it? It's a yeah, comedy. It, it's a it's, comedy. It's definitely designed to make you laugh, but. It, it, I suppose in through the lens that we're looking at it with, mm. it's focusing in on this one specific character and how he kind of not only navigates the world, but how the world sees him. Yeah. Well, that's it. It's, he, he's because they're, they're trying to evade um, being drafted. Mm. Basically, they're, they're like, they move into another community, a, a predominantly gay community, and they're trying to really ham it up to be like really yeah. gay. And then there's just loads of challenges in the whole film. But there's the neighbours who, they're just so, so funny. It's it's the one, you might have seen it on TikTok where it's like... The, it's um, the, the, the clip that went viral from it was um, one of the girlfriends goes over to visit one of the guys trying to avoid being drafted. And she, she walks over and, his flowers. And he kicks her out of the house for, I can't remember the reason why, but she walks through, she walks through Malcolm's flower bed. Right. And he comes out of the house and he's like, look what you've done to my peonies. And she just shouts back, they're marigolds. Oh, and then what was it? He my goes, God, I, I think, think she's right. right. They, they are marigolds. I may not know my flowers, but I know, you know a, a bitch when, when I, I see one. <laughs> oh, I feel like I need to see this. Oh, it's on YouTube. So if you Google gay, gay, gay deceivers, deceivers, that's it. Oh my gay God. deceivers. As if I could have forgot the title. <laughs> I'll have to look that one up, definitely. But yeah, I think that's that's very much... Uh, it's almost like a, a gem in what's It's definitely negative. a time capsule yeah. oh, of, big time. Of, of what... Not only what life was like in general at that point, but also how, they, how we how, were. Well, it was more so as well how, like, film creators seen the industry. I mean, I'd imagine in the industry back then, as well as today, there was a lot of gay characters anyway. Mm. So I don't understand why, you know, it's been such a, well, like I said, like villainizing mm. characters and caricatures of gay characters. Yeah. yeah. And just because, you know, that film is probably one of the first 
unabashedly real examples of where they weren't lying at the fact that this particular character was a homosexual. Yeah. But as we know, just from history and, and things coming out after after people have passed away or whatever, there's been gay people in cinema basically since the beginning. Oh, yeah. A lot of people like to forget that Marlon Brando, for example, was quite known for his bisexuality. Yeah. Maybe not at the time, but it was something that came out that that came to light later on. And, you know, he was, you know, to to use this phrase, a, a sex symbol, especially to women, mm. but would he have ever been able to portray his bisexuality on screen? Yeah. No, no, definitely not. Yeah. So even Malcolm like... really was one of the first examples of that. Yeah, I think I think certainly, like, in cer- certainly in media, LGBTQ plus people work, but when you look at the likes of football, I would say football is now where media was what? like 50s 60s mm. it's still like a very heteronormative like yeah mm. i mean i'm pretty sure i seen like this guy came out about a month or two ago and everyone was making a big thing about a footballer felt so brave to come out and it's like why why do you feel brave to yeah feel brave like to just be normal just allow it just because he's a footballer doesn't mean that it's any different from another gay man coming out you know what I yeah mean? Like, it's a weird, weird way to think about things like that. Mm. Well, just while researching for this um, episode, we'll go. We'll start with the um, what I've seen as kind of bad representation, mm-hmm. and then it's it's only when I've looked back and thought, like when I've watched these as a kid, it didn't really like it didn't bat an eyelid to me, kind of thing. You just watch it for what it is. But when you look back now, you think, oh my god, that is like Little Britain, for example. Oh yeah. Mm. Like you think now, like it's it's still almost like a national treasure kind of TV show, but like it's so problematic. Yeah, there's mm. a lot of things that obviously you question how they even got away with it back then. Yeah, like there was the term snowflakes that is thrown about so many now. Oh, I'd say that there were still snowflakes back then. I think the only redeeming factor was that they weren't prejudiced against one group. Yeah. It was everyone. Everyone got, got yeah. Everyone got hit. <laughs> yeah, that's probably how they got away with it. If they were going after one specific group. I think even then they would have run into issues. Yeah. But it was yeah. like everyone's taking fire here. So yeah. no So we can, can take the mick out of everyone. <laughs> yeah, no one can really get offended because everyone's being taken the mick out of, I suppose. Yeah. So Well the first one on that I um that I researched here was Ace Ventura Two. Now for me, growing up, they were some of my favourite films. Yeah. And then now you look back and so basically the villain um, of Ace Ventura 2, they basically transitioned and that's kind of like the whole plot twist right. of where where did this um, footballer go? Yeah, so basically the character was a trans, it was a trans woman, but in disguise. Right. Um, and I think, yeah, so Ace basically discovered this and like there's a scene where he's like washing his face out because, you know, because he's basically kissed her and right, okay. to make it sound like it, that they're disgusting. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And even to the point of like when they were saying, no, no, she's a woman, da, 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 pulled, pulled down a skirt or something and then like revealed the genitals in the back and then everyone in who's like kissed her was like throwing up. Yeah. And, like, like just throwing themselves off, like <laughs> off off the building. It's that just seems like... to be like a common trope because Family Guy did a very similar thing when Quagmire's dad transitioned. Yeah, and Brian accidentally s- slept with Quagmire's dad at a hotel because he didn't know who she was. 
and then proceeds once he finds out to vomit everywhere. Yeah. So clearly that seems to be a running, a running thing. Joke. Yeah, from back in the day of, oh, you slept with a trans person. How disgusting. It's like, really? Yeah. Um, another one I found, what I thought of, and people might disagree with me on this, but Bruno as well. So it's basically Borat, mm. but as this gay character. So he goes like across America and leaning on the the like the Christian community and just like all the kind of walks of life that will evidently find homosexuality a problem mm-hmm. and gets their reaction that way from it. So it it can be seen as funny and it is still a comedy, but. Mm. Like I, I watch, I like, I remember watching it with my girlfriend in the cinema, and I was like, I'm really uncomfortable watching this. Yeah, because it also, I mean, I've not seen it, so I can't judge. But from that description, it also feeds into that stereotype of gay people want to shove it down your face at every, yeah, shove yeah. it down your throat at any given opportunity, and just say it whenever they, whenever they want. It sounds like they're feeding into that stereotype as well, which is like, was well, like, like you say in that one scene in the film, there he goes to like a swingers club. And they get into full swing, full swing of everything. Of course. Um, and then he's stood there, like dead close to this guy's face, like staring at him, going, "Oh, you like that? You like like really like making him uncomfortable?" Mm. And it's yeah, it's just kind of making it out that like we're we're predators, basically. Mm. Um, and then the own, the other one, I mean, there's loads, but the other one that I really wanted to highlight here was Stonewall. That in itself is a story that should be told by the community this was the film that came out a couple of years ago wasn't it yeah yeah um but basically the it's a telling of the 1969 riots in new york offensive and whitewash by many critics as a focus on a fictional white character um and not of the riots themselves and the misuse of julie garland's um funeral actually is a catalyst of the riots which Mm. again that never happened so yeah it's it's it kind of like spat in the face of the actual event yeah of like a completely fictional white character when you know you could just tell a you know tell the story as it actually happened yeah yeah what's wrong with that yeah and that's that's another kind of angle to this as well is and i mean i don't know this this adaption of the stonewall events might have been made by heterosexual but i'm going to assume that a lot of people from the lgbt community were involved in the making of this sometimes we get it wrong yeah sometimes yeah. we struggle to represent ourselves because we're so used into in society to kind to, to being the odd ones out yeah. even if it's only by like a point of a degree we always kind of see ourselves as standing out a little bit more than everyone else sometimes in a good way and sometimes See, look, not like, so I, I, I get it. Like, some stories can be told, and you're always going to have critics. You're always going to have that people going, well, actually, yeah. to be like this. But that, it was so bad mm. that, like, it's kind of just skated over now. Now, a good film, I would say, is Pride. Like, yeah. Uh, that that to me is like a wholesome telling of a, a you know a really lovely story oh, that which well, is it's that based on true stories my well. lesbians <laughs> my lesbians where are they <laughs> these are all films that you these are all <laughs> right <laughs> above my head Stonewall. i've got a clue I yeah we'll avoid stonewall about, i personally think i think a bad representation <laughs> i would say is brokeback mountain for me i've i thinking about it now like as a kid i watched it and i didn't really understand what was going on until I saw what was going on the screen. Yeah. Mm. And then 
thinking back now of how obviously the wife gets disgusted it's a big thing like back then obviously it probably would have been quite a massive shock for someone's husband to be found with another man and her life is crashing down you've got to obviously take it from a wife's perspective her her life is crashing down in front of her eyes but it was the way that she was so disgusted yeah the way that she reacted it would then I would think give message to people of, yeah, you have every right to feel that way about this and you should be disgusted in the information that you found out. I think it was really, it was a sticky one. You, you can look at it two ways. I think that. I mean, yeah, like cheating in general. Yeah, absolutely. Like she, she's, she's valid in her feelings. Yeah. And, but like I said, it's, yeah, there's that extra level of this is disgusting. It's yeah. Like, well, what he did wrong in general. Yeah, but it he couldn't help himself, you know what I mean? Well, there was there was feelings there and he felt a certain way and that's what obviously the storyline is. But yeah, I, I was thinking about it and I was like, yeah, that is one that it probably made me uncomfortable when she found out because I was dead happy for him. I was just dead <laughs> made up for him. You go off in your tent and have a little good time, mate. Go on. <laughs> well, this is it. It's, it's, Full of it's... beans. <laughs> well, Full this of beans. is a theme that I think um, filmmakers really take note of when it's when it's good filmmaking you will they will build up empathy for a yeah. character regardless of if they're good or they're bad yeah if if they've done it right like like we've just watched loki for example the finale of loki when you first meet loki he's the villain for what how many years mm-hmm. and then eventually he's he's now like yeah you you feel for you him. root for him yeah. and it's like even game of thrones like the amount of times you're like hey, he's a bastard and yeah. then it's like oh no but i know why he's a bastard yeah you, you feel for him yeah <laughs> yeah but that's when art stands out the best I yeah think, when it reflects reality as it is mm-hmm. even if it's something stupid like a high fantasy or a sci-fi or something yeah. like that when it is a, a relatively accurate reflection of what society is in that moment that it's made yeah then yeah. then it, it's doing a good job it, it's doing what it's meant to do it's going to make people feel something about it so yeah, i'll touch on, i'll touch on it in a bit but it's it is that kind of point of if you're trying to force something then the audience is not going to pick up pick up on it if mm-hmm. you're i agree for me like and i've mentioned this in, um about season two of heartstopper like i i liked it but for me it was just it was kind of overkill in a way that it's kind of forcing a very pointed storyline and i get it it's it's that's what it's based on but it's also you could develop you know actual problems and and different characters in different ways you can villainize different like you know what i mean there's just so many different avenues it could go down hmm. but it's it's just ah oh, i don't know i don't know how it it just makes me feel a bit like ugh mm. it's 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 a difficult one heart stopper because especially since you know it it, it is to do with children it's, yeah it's it's following children and an identity crisis and season maybe one, I, i'm just looking into it too much and that's probably well, why at the end of the day your opinion is just as valid as everyone else's yeah. and you know one of the things that a story really needs to do to keep people engaged especially especially something that's taking place over multiple installments is they have to be although it's an overarching story they need to be self-contained stories with yeah. their own themes and their own their own end goal mm-hmm. and you know the end goal of season 1 of heartstopper was nick to you know come oh, out yeah. and and whatever and you know that's what made the season 1 so great and in season 2 they kind of just seem to carry that on with how he's like struggling to kind of be by be be by and out and it's like 
Well, the are, thing are, are is, we, it, are we still at that stage now where our story? That's 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 how, all we're getting. From that's it. that's how people tell our stories. Is oh, they're coming out, and it's like, and now they've got a struggle. Yeah, yes. Yeah. And then the story ends with, and and you know, they found they found a partner of the same sex or whatever, and they lived happily ever after. And it's like, no, they have an entire life and other other interests and things going well, on outside of Well, this is the thing. So, so for me, like, I think that the, the second season really focuses on book three and four now. Of re- reading them, Nick's not so much a heavy character in them. For me, it's, it's more about Charlie and his anxiety and his eating disorder, which it is a very prominent part of the book, which in the show, they, t- they obviously touch on it and... Some people may disagree, but I think it's just kind of overlooked. Mm. Um, moving on to to some slightly better kind of stories, um, good representation that I found that I personally watched and love is Sense8. I don't know if you've ever seen that on Netflix. So when it first came out, I remember yeah. it coming on and I think I watched it's it's episodes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think think i nearly watched all of the first season i was very confused there it was is just a bit so slow. much going on yeah i don't very even think it was heavy. like slow there was just so much going on and i was like fucking hell mm. what does all of this <laughs> it mean? expects you to pick things up yeah. very quickly 100%. and along the way yeah and it's like this is quite difficult like we're just nearing the end of season two from watching it over again but yeah like, i think if you give it a rewatch you you know, you probably understand. I'm older it. now as well. Like, <laughs> well, that's obviously, it. like I think I was like 16. Oh, well, there you go then. Yeah, when it first came out. So, and I at that time I was not identifying as trans. So yeah. it was, you know, thoughts and feelings that I probably wouldn't relate to now. Like I've got so many different ways that I feel towards different things. Yeah. Now, so mm. I would definitely probably give it another watch and see. But yeah, the basic premise of the um, the show is it's a group, um, eight people who were born at the exact same minute and they're a cluster. Basically it's it, like, it explains it throughout the season, but the, the basic premise is they are like not so much. Well, yeah, like an evolved form of humanity. That's a secret kind of, species if you like right and they're all mentally connected with each other so they'll have they'll all feel the same things mm-hmm. at the same time life if one of them's happy and the other one's happy that's how they'll connect and they'll yeah. they'll like come to each other and they can talk to each other right without without being next to each other blah 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 anyway they're all uh, bluetoothed to each other basically, basically. Okay. but yeah the the ba- why i like it so much is the 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 um the writer of the show is um lgbt as well but there's there's trans storyline, there's um, gay storyline, and it's not even so much like. Th- and this is my point of why I like the show. It's not aimed at, oh, you're trans, you've got to come out. You're gay, you've got to. Mm-hmm. Well, apart from <laughs> one of the characters has to come out, and that's a whole big thing. But it is kind of like it's more a story of human connection, right? And there's like scenes where, like, say a couple of them are having sex, and it they'll end up that they're all having sex together. Because they're kind of all connected. I think I've seen a clip on <laughs> on X. It's very, <laughs> it's very graphic. <laughs> yeah, I think I was like scrolling for a, for a bit of me time, and it came up, and I was like, "Nah, I don't fancy that anymore." That put me off. <laughs> um, but no, it, it is. It's kind of like you can tell that when they're in that scene, like the say the heterosexual character, he is kind of taken back a bit and surprised, but ultimately he just like goes with it, cracks on. Yeah. Mm. Because why not? Because you're having sex with eight people at the same time. It's an experience, <laughs> mate. And sometimes as well, when you're looking at and thinking about 
LGBT representation in, in, in well, on screen, sometimes you kind of also want to go, it, it ain't that deep. Yeah. It, it don't have to be that deep. Yeah. It, it, can it be acknowledged if it's relevant? Of course it can, and it should be if it's relevant. But otherwise, just... Just let the character do it, yeah. whatever the story requires them to do. And if that information comes up, we'll pick it up along the way. And then it's just something that we know. Yeah. But it doesn't mean the story has now fundamentally changed. It's not a plot twist. Yeah. But what I do like about it as well is, um, Le- is it Leto, the um, the Mexican yeah. gay character? He he comes out and it's, it's, it, is a, it is an amazing story. But he's basically an actor who his agency just dropping because of that yeah i think aside from aside from like just their individual stories it is a great story of i'm so gutted that it kind of it, it got cancelled after the second season mm. but fans like battered them to be like you need to finish at least like finish the story yeah. so they did like a what is it like an hour and a half long special or something it was, it was a two and a half hour two film and, yeah basically so, and they were able to wrap up I'm sure they needed to. Yeah, I'm sure there was a rumor that Pornhub was going to buy them. Yeah, they were to buy the show and finish it or or carry it on. That's another thing, isn't it? It's like, isn't it funny that it was it was a a porn business that were willing to pick up what mainstream media dropped yeah like no we don't want to lose that representation from that show because that was really good. But it's also it was also representing positive sexuality. Yeah. M- more than anything else mm. but yeah go yeah. and watch it okay dog <laughs> one. one that we watched was it on netflix i can't even remember bastard son and the devil himself yeah so this focuses on the journey of the main character and discovering his um was it witch powers yeah but, something like yeah so but, again it's like a fantasy yeah yeah of. so there's like two factions that are basically after him and he requires the assistance of a queer magic user i think they're a non-binary character as well I can't, I can't remember. We're going to have to give it a a rewatch, I think. It's Uh, it's basically like Percy Jackson meets Harry Potter. Yeah. It's almost, almost Twilight, but instead of vampires, it's witches. Yeah. So then he kind of, he he befriends this queer character um, and they go on this journey together. And it's like a journey of, well, they've got like sexual tension between them. um, And he's, he's interested in um, the female character that's along with him as well. But then he kind of like, yeah, he kind of discovers that he he's liking this guy. That's how you can tell it's a young adult novel as well. There's always a trio and one of them's a girl. <laughs> it's always two lads and a girl. Yeah. But it's like, it's, yeah, it's like his, his sexuality is never really like brought up and they just kind of like, they have a moment and then it's done. And it's mm. kind of like, yeah, we don't really need to add attention to this, but it's kind of part mm. of him and his discovery. He he is in a heterosexual relationship yeah. with this girl that's the the female lead of the series. And as much as you know, it, it's it's pretty much towards the end of the series, isn't he? That he share him and his girlfriend have a falling out. She goes off somewhere, and him the the main guy and the queer friend they finally figure something out and are able to like move move on, past that move difference on whatever, to, yeah. to some somewhere else or something like that i can't remember but he gives him a kiss right before he goes and it is a romantic kiss and yeah it's not of, just a peck is it yeah you kind of left to kind of go that's come out of left field what's that all about but it's never brought up again and i think the point of it is that it's not meant to be i mean the show got cancelled so we'll never know anyway i know it but was that was a good show as well it was but i but taking it completely as it was it, it 
it wasn't so much a person kind of questioning their sexuality. Mm-hmm. For, at least how I took it. It was more, I've developed a connection with you and I want to show that in some form of embrace. Yeah. Mm. And the way I know how to do that is... See, because because the way the whole point of the scene is, he's like he he knows that he's he fancies him, so he kisses him and then he pushes him off the building to fall through a portal to like leave him because he wants to do the journey on his own. So fans could be like, oh yeah, that's what he's doing, but like no, it was a bit more romantic than that. You could tell there was something more to it. Mm. But I think the the other ones I've got here, I'm gonna I'm gonna actually just join them together. So it's the Russell T Davis versus Ryan Murphy. Ryan Murphy, that's it. Ryan Murphy. Every country has one. <laughs> so what? One we... LGBT member who goes, leave it to me, lads. I'll yeah. <laughs> literally. So obviously, um, Ryan Murphy's the American Horror Story. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He, He's created American Horror Story, created Pose, American Crime Story. Oh, yeah. He's done quite a few it is, uh, LGBT he is kind of, yeah. related shows. And I say related because we're not always the main characters in well, this the shows, is the but point, it always yeah. includes us. So this yeah, is yeah. the point. So like even in American Horror Story, like on the face of it, it's got nothing to do with our community. You wouldn't even think that there would be anything to do with the LGBT. But the way mm. they weave kind of those storylines yeah. into these shows, it is so seamless. And it so is clever. So, it is, yeah. So clever. And like they're not, they're not um, representations that make you question it either like i like i could feel like it's almost like there's gay people normal in the world so why would they not normally yeah, be why in, would they not be in just normal show? life kind yeah. of thing yeah yeah they don't make a big sing and dance out of it like they like to think all the gays do <laughs> and the thing is for for me personally that's that's my favorite form of LGBT representation yeah. where we're just a part of the group. Part of as, the story. Yeah. Yeah. We're just a part of the story. I personally, part as part of the crew. Exactly. <laughs> I, I, as a, as a gay person don't particularly like standing out from the crowd. I, oh. I like blending in. I like being a part of a bigger group. I like my individuality, but I want to be a part of the group. Yeah. yeah. And I like when people like me, in media whether it be film tv stage book or whatever do the same thing as me they just want to blend in they won't they won't deny it they won't hide it but it's not their well it's not even so much blend in but just normalize it yeah yeah not have it as the crux of the story yeah Yeah. it's not like this is dan he's gay this is dylan he's trans this is where's you know i mean like there's no need to add Mm. the little extra bit this is dan that's all it is to it. This is where it's like, I hate it when people have to try and push. It's their push. whole identity, yeah. their whole personality. Yeah. It's not me. But then not the other, every the other... representation needs to be the stereotype. Yeah. So then the other side of that then was Russell T. Davis. Now he's done the, the like, British version. <laughs> the British version, like Doctor Who, Cucumber. Well, that whole series, really. It's, My it's, it's a sin. TV show of all time, Cucumber. Yeah. He did three shows yeah. simultaneously that told an overarching story. So there was Cucumber, Banana, and Tofu. Tofu was like an online document mini documentary series specifically aimed at lgbt people and how they can practice safe sex and all this sort of stuff and it it was really informative but the real meat of that project was ironically because they're not me but was cucumber and banana cucumber was the main story 
and then Banana was... It was like season two, like... It, it was like a sister show. So yeah. the characters that appeared, say, in... Say if, like, you were watching Cucumber episode four, and yeah. a character kind of popped out to you and was like, oh, that character was interesting. I'd like to know more about them. More than likely, the fourth episode of Banana covered their story. Right, okay. And it was more or less split between different generations. So Cucumber followed the older generation of the LGBT community. With the younger being secondary characters. Yeah, with the younger guys acting as their support. Whereas with Banana, it was flipped. Flipped, right, okay. So the younger generations were... It was a bit more character development, wasn't it? Yeah, and the episodes were a bit more shorter. They were a bit more risque, but it was... That that was the point. It it showed you that these two... These two shows exist in the same world, but because you're seeing it through a different collection of characters, they obviously see the world and act in that world Mm -hmm. very, very differently. Yeah. Like the older generations, there, there wasn't as much sex there was more it was more to do with general kind of life things really you know getting married should we get married can we even get married even the two two main characters they go through like a story of basically their sex life dries up doesn't it so then they try and like navigate how to fix that and if they can fix that kind of thing so there's a lot there's a lot of like different topics and themes to that and then yeah like i said the season two see well banana it's kind of like yeah like halfway through the season you'll you'll see a point where it was on the last season you're oh it is all coming yeah so it reminds you yeah yeah yeah, it's it's, but that's how it how well like he's done these these shows Mm. and another one like that was um it's a sin we haven't really gone back and revisited because it is a very like for me it's a very rough story Yeah. yeah have you ever seen it no um, <laughs> guys, this yeah, is no. very rough. Like, I've got a lot to watch when I go home. Apparently. Yeah, exactly. We're sending you home with a list. <laughs> I feel like my, my biggest, my biggest own personal. It's not even like I don't even want to watch it. It's like when something new comes out, I will avoid it. Yeah. I'm not. I hate. You don't like jump, the hype. I hate to jump on the hype. Mm. Yeah, and and then I always regret it because I'll watch it later on. Like it took me. Two years. I think the end of Stranger Things season four had finished and premiered yeah. and I hadn't even watched season two. <laughs> Genuinely. Like I, I got I got fed up. So I was like everyone was telling me and I was like, you know what, I'll give it a go. And I fucking loved it once I watched it. Well, is that but maybe just... why you've not watched like Heartstopper? Because you think yeah. you know it's gonna be it's such a hype. LGBT hype kind it's of like thing. Hype, 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 everyone's yeah, yeah. screaming about it, everyone's talking about it, and then I'm like, Oh, okay, maybe I'll watch it, but then I'm like, mm, I don't wanna jump on that mm. bandwagon. Because also like there's a lot of people talking about it in work when yeah. it comes out. I was like that with it's... Game of Thrones and um American Horror Story. It's hard, like, especially if there there's people talking about situations that you might have a strong like opinion on yeah like i i would find it hard one if i've not watched an episode i'd be like shut the fuck up <laughs> like you're spoiling yeah. it <laughs> and two like you, you don't always know like you may think you know someone that you work with but yeah. they might have an opinion and they're talking about something and it's like oh i, I don't want to cause beef in work of yeah. TV shows. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it sounds like really silly, but I genuinely just no, no, avoid it's, the hype and I'll the wait same. for six months. Like. Sometimes you just don't want to be in the heat of the conversation whilst it's happening. Well, it's yeah. the same with me. Like now, like I, I work with um, a friend who, but well, two friends in work who watch Big Brother. Now I won't watch it because I can't commit to like having to watch something every yeah. single day. Mm. He's like, it's only three weeks, but it's like, no, 
I don't want to be tied to it. And yeah. it's just the hype of it at the moment. Even since I was like, I just hate the fact that you don't watch it. So, cause I can't talk to you about it. I'm like, <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> There's so many other things that I could talk to you about, mate. Literally. <laughs> no, I mean, to be fair, it's speaking of big brother. I will say since we're talking about representations, I've heard there's a lot. Um, Hallie, I want to give props to like, yeah. and credit to she, I thought she was fantastic. And I have never sat and watched a trans individual talk about how it feels, what it's like, and different, just different aspects of being trans so genuinely. And yeah. so, like, I've never been able to relate so much. Like, everything she was saying was exactly how I would say it myself. Yeah. And I actually cried a few times in some of the conversations that she was having yeah. with some of the housemates because it was just real and pure and genuine and i've never i don't think i've ever seen someone be on telly and talk about it without turning it into something that just seems like it's not you know what i mean yeah, there's yeah. there is aspects and i'm not saying that people don't feel certain ways but it seems like people push certain things and then don't know how to explain it yeah like they'll say certain things make them feel something but can't explain why and that's when i question their true mm. like in, intentions with stuff whereas Hallie yeah everything she said resonated with me flat fully absolutely I thought she was a fantastic housemate yeah it's because some I, I find that sometimes as well especially because as you were talking about her I was like she's probably had that conversation mm -hmm. in her head and with other people a yeah. million times before and it's like I find that you know I've run into it in real life on the internet and through media. Yeah. Sometimes LGBT people like to be the loudest voice in the room, yeah. but don't necessarily have a lot to say. Yeah. And it's like there's no point in being loud if you can't if you can't, can't fill that space. Exactly. Yeah. Literally, I feel like, and that's why that's why having our representation be so critical and, mm -hmm. so, and so important, and why it needs to come from us as well. Yeah. Well, that's it. It's kind of like even say like RuPaul's Drag Race, for example, when that started, it was so small. Now it's like it's worldwide. It's consumed by the mainstream now. Even even coining terms that they use, it's got so big, and that's that's you know I've mentioned about it before that I've I only watch like the UK ones now because I feel it's too big. But yeah, same. it is it is kind of like a positive representation for us. Yeah, of not just like gay men getting in drag and stuff because there are there are trans people, there are non-binary people in it, mm. and these are the kind of stories that it's these kinds of stories that are needed to be told. Mm. Yeah. For the mainstream to realise like these people exist. Even, you know, I think in on one of the US seasons recently they had a heterosexual man on there. Oh, I think and, I seen that. And yeah. everyone was like, Oh my god, you're straight. Like <laughs> And everyone was it, it was almost like a conversation of is this person invading our space? And it's and it's like, well, what is our space? What do you mean yeah. by that? Like, what is yeah. our space? Why can't a heterosexual man be interested in expressing his gender identity and his gender expression? Well, at the end of the day, drag is a heterosexual just, norm. Drag is just a performance art, isn't yeah. it? So, what's you know? I think that's a very that stems from toxic masculine masculinity in mm. social media. As soon as you see a man dressing up you're gonna 
well, the media wants you to assume that this man is part of the LGBT. Well, look at Billy Elliot. Yeah, literally. That's a perfect example. 100%. Like, everyone's like, oh, he's going to be gay, did it? And he never was, but because he, he took an interest in ballet, which obviously back in the 80s, you wouldn't have any lads doing it. No. I think it's it's crazy. It, the media literally tries to give you a rounded off idea of how people should present and represent themselves. And I think that it's very easy for all of these following films and TV shows yeah. to just go, well, that's how it was. And we can kind of get that basic storyline and we'll just add our own twist to it. It's like, no, just find someone real and genuine well it's like like looking into like future so we talked about obviously the past yeah. of of our representation but like looking at shows that are out now that are based in the future where you've got what like star trek discovery there's a monogamous gay couple adopting trans kids um alien there's trans characters that it doesn't even really get brought up they're just there and the expanse with polyamorous families it's kind of like they know that these kinds of relationships and families are not really haven't been accepted are being accepted yeah. now so kind of well in the future it's obviously a futuristic trait to have yeah hmm. And you also want to lay the groundwork for, you know, being on the right side of history. You don't want people to go back and watch, say, your movie or your TV show yeah. or read your book or watch so your play in like 2074 or whatever and being like, oh, God, that didn't age well. Yeah, you don't. Want you don't. No one well, wants Ace to Ventura be. for a perfect example. Yeah, no one wants to be on the wrong side of history anymore. And I think that's possibly why the representation in certain cases, not just for the LGBT community, but for a lot of communities, it's it's kind of falling short because instead of crafting the representation properly and making it, you know, worthwhile, they're just going, right, well, we need to, we need to put this character in here or we need to do this yeah. because that's what people are doing nowadays and we need to make sure everyone's included. Yeah. yeah. It's like not everyone needs to be included in every single project. People should see themselves in the things that they consume. Well, this but is it. not every, every single, single thing. thing. I think that's also a very toxic thing. Mm. Just to kind of conclude on all this. So I did also a bit of research. Well, basically what <laughs> everything that we've been talking about, we can all agree that like media has such a part to play in not only how society kind of progresses, but like general norm and um, general social norms. Yeah. Um, and how the narrative of a a film or a tv show can can like ultimately change someone's opinion yeah, on definitely. a whole a whole community 100 well naturally um narratives that are too one-sided um as i said earlier they kind of like m make you put a wall up and mm. you kind of like you watch it from a different perspective then as intended because you're like well i know what they're trying to do yeah but ultimately i think to really play on people's heartstrings as I mentioned earlier, it's all about empathy. So Roger Herbert once said, for me, the movie is like a machine that generates empathy. If it's a great movie, it lets you understand a little more about what it's like to be a different gender, a different race, a different age, a different economic class, a different nationality, a different profession, different hopes, aspirations, dreams, and fears. It helps us identify with people who are sharing with this journey and that to me, is the most noble thing that a move, a good movie can do. It's a reason to encourage them and to support them and to go to see them. 
hundred percent. I literally fully agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like everything that you could possibly say that you want from a movie to make you feel you want it to move you. You want it to you know, sit there and think, you know what, that You was, want it to have an impact that on, was a good on the audience. If, yeah. Yeah, you want to go home and think Maybe I wash those dishes because my wife needs a bit more help or something. You know well, what yeah, I mean? Like yeah. it, 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 it completely changes. And if it does that, yeah, that movie has done what it was supposed to do. Definitely. 100%. I'm, I'm paraphrasing this a little bit, but I remember hearing a quote of, it was more to do with books, if I'm honest, but it was a reader lives a thousand lives. Yeah. And it is true that when you are a big consumer of stories, you do live those lives. You become a part of that person's life, if not that person during that time. And the big thing about becoming that person for a little bit is you want, you want that person to actually become that person. Mm -hmm. You want, you want them to take, to actually want to go on that adventure. Yeah. And if someone's walking in, their representation of their particular community isn't great the person's going to shut off because yeah, they're like, oh, I, I can't be bothered with this. I've, I've, I hear it on the news. I see it on TikTok. I see it everywhere. It's like you were even saying before about the hype of things. It's like, I just turn off when I hear, oh, everyone's banging on about this yeah. thing. I just, it, 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 it's, I think it depends on what you're talking about. Yeah. But also, like, a lot of the time, I'm, I'm not there for the hype. I'd love to talk about it in six months time when everyone's <laughs> calmed down and you don't get your head bit off because you've got a different opinion to mm-hmm. someone at that specific time. See Dylan, the only issue I've got is you've not watched Heartstopper yet. Oh, <laughs> the books are right there in front of me and I'm like, oh, let's have a little quick scan through. <laughs> uh, well, just to, f- and just to finish off with the episode, I do have a couple of things from Chester Pridecast that I would like to, to highlight. First of all, I've never said this, but if you would kindly like and subscribe and rate five stars to our podcast that really helps us just um, do it just do it <laughs> um but yeah it, do, it really does help us um and if there is anything that you'd like to discuss or you'd like to like to ask us anything like that you can email us at pridecast at chesterpride.co.uk um, the next thing I've got here is our annual food bank campaign in aid of the West Cheshire Food Bank is now running until December 15th, 2023. Sadly, the demand for the food bank is increasing annually and we are determined with your help to smash the 4,000 items that we collected last year. Now, we didn't, we had a meeting about this and it's like, if we have another can of beans... Like, I'm sure West Cheshire said, like, they filled a wall full of beans... <laughs> And like it's got to the point now where they're like trading with other food banks, which which is good. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. like mm. it's like no more beans. The, it's the natural go-to, isn't it? When you think a, a, a tin of something, and usually that tin is always beans. But it's like yeah. if you're doing it, yeah. Janet down the street is doing <laughs> it. So's Bob, and so's Carol. Stop. But the full details are on um, Chester Pride um, website and on the socials. So if you, there is like a, a like almost like a shopping list of things that you know ideal or basically required of and then the other thing is spaces are filling up very fast for the um chester pride christmas buffet meal and so if anyone is struggling with christmas this year if you if you are alone or or you're struggling to afford christmas um our doors are open so if you are interested in something like that email info at chesterpride.co.uk and finally as this airs, it will be Transgender Awareness Week. So happy hey. Transgender Week. 
everyone. Thanks, guys. <laughs> so that's the 13th to the 19th of November with Remembrance Day for transgender people on the 20th. And we are reve- we are revealing a, a little special surprise at the tea rooms. Yeah, it should, it should be really nice. Even if you're not, come down anyway. Yeah, come down anyway. Bye. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Don't forget, you can reach out to us or email in your dilemmas via email pridecast at chesterpride.co.uk and Chester Pride is produced by Studio 30,000. <laughs>